Good morning. Welcome to Bethany Lutheran Church in Warren, Oregon. Today we are in the book of Mark, chapter 13, verses 1 through 13, which read, As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will this be? And what will be the sign that these things are about to be accomplished? Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs. As for yourselves, beware, for they will hand you over to the councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them. And the good news must first be proclaimed to all nations. When they bring you to trial and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name but the one who endures to the end will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In today's gospel text, Jesus warns his disciples, beware that no one leads you astray. A contemporary example of being led astray was Hal Lindsey. In the early 1970s, Hal Lindsey was the most popular fanatic on the globe. Lindsey was a tugboat captain from New Orleans who attended Dallas Theological Seminary. He wrote the book, The Late Great Planet Earth, in 1971, and it was the rage of that era. That book sold over 28 million copies and was made into a movie narrated by Orson Welles. The Late Great Planet Earth interpreted the book of Revelation as pre-written history from 20 centuries ago that the book of Revelation and the Bible specifically prophesied about Lindsay's time in history. The beginning of the end began on May 14, 1948, when the land of Israel was officially established. 
By reading closely and carefully the book of Revelation and other similar prophecies in the Bible, such as in Mark chapter 13, Lindsay and similar fanatics thought that the end was coming soon, that there would be a final battle of Armageddon fought in the Middle East between Russia and Western Europe, and Russia was Gog and Magog that the ten horns in the book of Revelation represented the ten nations of the common market of Western Europe, etc. He also thought that the 30 million Chinese soldiers swarming the Middle East was prophesied in the book of Revelation. The book, The Late Great Planet Earth, was the rage in the 1970s, and people actually thought the contents of that book were true that it was an accurate interpretation of the book of Revelation and other similar prophecies. The popularity of the book was so great that you could not say a word against it without offending the enormous horde of those who believed Lindsay's interpretation of the end times. We can now look back and wonder how the people could be so easily deceived. To be fair, Mr. Lindsay was not the only person in history to boldly miss the mark with a prediction. Thomas Watson, chairman of IBM in 1943 said, I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. Popular Mechanics Magazine in 1949 made this prediction where a calculator on the ENIAC, which was the first programmable electronic general purpose digital computer, is equipped with 18,000 vacuum tubes and weighs 30 tons. Computers in the future may only have 1,000 vacuum tubes and only weigh one and a half tons. There was an inventor by the name of Lee DeForest he claimed that while theoretically and technically television may be feasible, commercially and financially, it's an impossibility. The Decca Recording Company made a big mistake when they made this prediction. We don't like their sound and guitar music is on the way out. That was their prediction in 1962 regarding a few lads from Liverpool with a band called The Beatles. Do not be deceived. Our scripture passage tells us that as Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples commented on the huge stones in the huge buildings. Jesus, Jesus tells them a time will come when it will be completely destroyed. Now these were big stones. Some of these stones were 12 to 60 feet in length seven and a half feet in height and nine feet wide, many of them weighing 50 tons. Today, a piece of the original outer wall still stands. It consists of 24 rows of stones reaching a height of over 59 feet. Excavations have revealed another 19 rows of stones buried underground, and that is just the outer wall. Within the four walls was 45 acres of bedrock mountain shaved flat, 
an area that could comfortably hold a quarter of a million people. Of course, the disciples were surprised to hear that all this would be destroyed. It's understandable that they missed the nuance in what was said. You see, there's two words for temple. The one used here, Huron, refers to the temple itself or the larger temple area. The other word is naus, which can refer to the temple itself or only the inner sanctuary, the place where God dwells in the Jewish temple. This is the word Jesus uses in John chapter 2, verse 19, when he says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. You see, you can destroy a temple building, but you cannot destroy the dwelling place of Jesus or his word. Throughout the ages, we have been drawn to the biggest and the best. We love superlatives. Which churches have arena seating and a stage large enough to accommodate a concert or a drama? Who has the best bands to entertain me? Who has clowns, a bus ministry, their own espresso bar, a professional choir, and valet service? And do not forget an Easter pageant or a life-size nativity with live animals for Christmas. Oh, they have big stones, but does God dwell there? I've worshiped in a movie theater, a rented warehouse, a school cafeteria, a campground, a mountaintop, a convention center, an abandoned commercial garage in a ghetto, and a crumbling basement surrounded by canning jars and an old furnace. God dwelled in each of those gatherings. His presence was palpable, more so than in some of the cathedral high masses I've attended. The magnificence is in the prayers and the praises going up and the grace flowing down, not in the surroundings. Do not be deceived. Verse 6, many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead many astray. There will always be imposters and pretenders. They will be flashy. They will make wild promises. Many create their own religion. Some believe they are the Messiah. And others deceive for the glory, the adoration, the power, or the money. Some even point to Jesus, but with false testimony, and twist the word of God for their own purposes. Keep your hearts and your eyes in his word. Remain in the fellowship of true Christians, and you will not be led astray. Do not be deceived. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes and famines. You may be persecuted for your faith. Family, friends, even your church leaders may turn on you. You may be brought to trial on false charges or for standing for your faith. It is not an easy thing to realize, but the Apostle Paul found it a good thing to be brought to trial for his faith, 
for it gave him a chance to witness to people to whom he otherwise would not have had access. At these times, Jesus promises we will not be on our own. The Holy Spirit will be with us to support us and even to speak for us. Living with uncertainty was hard for the early followers of Jesus, and it's just as hard for us. But the promise God offers us in Christ, however, is not that if we work hard enough, if we are pious enough, if we make ourselves acceptable enough, or if we acquire enough that all uncertainties will disappear. Rather, the best response to insecurity and uncertainty is the confidence that comes from knowing that your dignity and worth come from God's grace. There's a story about director Cecil D. B. DeMille that when they began working on the movie Ben-Hur, DeMille talked to Charlton Heston, the star of the movie, about the all-important chariot race at the end. He decided Heston should actually learn to drive the chariot himself rather than just using a stunt double. Heston agreed to take the chariot driving lessons to make the movie as authentic as possible. Now, learning to drive a chariot with horses for a breast was no small matter. After extensive work and days of practice, Heston returned to the movie set and reported to DeMille. I think I can drive the chariot all right, Cecil, said Heston, but I'm not at all sure that I can actually win the race. Smiling slightly, DeMille said, Heston, you just stay in the race and I'll make sure you win. Those are the words of God to everyone through a time of tumultuous change. Al, Sandy, Barb, Jerry, Diane, Chris, Shelley, Valerie, Della, Rod, Vi, Pat, Sue, all the rest of you, God says, just stay in the race and I will make sure you win. Look for God's hand. If you cannot see it in the event itself, look for it in the aftermath when you're putting your life back together. I promise you, God promises you, God's hand will be there. Amen.